So I want you to pray with me. And uh, this morning, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I want to be really careful about how I negotiate what we're going to talk about today, because for some of you, it's going to be a little bit hard, a little bit challenging. And so let's ask the Holy Spirit to be at work among us today, okay? Lord, uh, thank you for your presence. And help each of us, Lord, to tune out all the extracurricular stuff that we deal with and to focus on you today. I pray that our ears would not hear the lies of the enemy, but would hear your voice as you speak to us and comfort us and bring us joy and blessing and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Ginger and I have this, uh, this kitchen that has lots of lights in it. It's, a, it's a, kind of a sloped ceiling, and there were 12 light bulbs shining down in our kitchen. Uh, we took four of those out and put hanging lights so that it would light it up a little bit better. And the reason we did that is because these cans, like that, 12 of them, they kept, the light bulbs kept burning out. And I'd have to go out in the garage, open the garage door, carry the ladder all the way around to the front door because I couldn't get it in the back door, bring it in the house, set it up, and risk my neck changing those light bulbs that were on the, on the ceiling. So, so most of them are burned out now and these other four lights shine in the kitchen except there's one right over here in this corner Right up above, your back is to the lights that are shining back here. And right here is a light bulb. It's a tenacious one. You turn on the lights. Sometimes it'll come on. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it flickers. You know how irritating that is? I'm trying to make a peanut butter sandwich, and it's like Star Wars in there. (laughs) It's crazy. So I want you to think about... And you'll know what I mean by this. The light bulb is on, or the light bulb is off, or it flickers. In other words, somebody will say something, and you can say, I get it. Or somebody says something, and it's just, or, I think I get it. I think I get it. That's why I titled today's message, I think I get it. Because this is something that sometimes the light comes on and we get, gl- we get a glimpse of it, but then it'll start flickering again. Because it's very, very difficult for us to comprehend for a couple of reasons. This is the big deal, according to Jesus. This is why Jesus came. And when I say the points this morning, you won't say, oh! Gosh, I never heard that before. You recognize it. You could probably repeat it on your own. But probably for some of you, the light is off. Maybe I can get it to flicker today. For all of us, once in a while the light comes on, but then it flickers again. And I just pray that the Lord would help us more than understand but experience what I'm talking about today. 
So I brought a stethoscope. You're probably, you're probably going to wonder why. And the reason I brought it is because I want to know if your heart is beating. Ooh, man, that's noisy. Whoa. So Bill, stand up. Kind of lean in here on me, okay? You have a heart. <laughs> now, let's imagine that I got this stethoscope on every one of you, and I'm going to ask you some questions. Does God love Donald Trump? Seems like it got a little louder. <laughs> I think it stopped there for a minute, but then it started again. Does God love Nancy Pelosi? Oh man, it really fluttered when I said that. How about Schumer? Oh, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi and Schumer together. It, it, golly, it almost, it almost jumped out of your chest. Does God love Muslims? Did it flicker a little bit? Thank you. Now, I could hear, though I had that in my ears, I could hear you all say yes. Do you really believe that? Uh, I was with a couple one day, and this is, these are not political statements, okay? These are neutral political statements. I was talking to a couple one day, and they're both followers of Christ. And Obama's name came up, and she said, I think he's a Muslim. Is he? I don't know. Uh... You can think all kinds of things about that, can't you? Does God love him? We all say yes, but there are certain situations that you come across where it flickers a little bit. There are people that you've experienced in your life where intellectually you might say, I know God loves them, but It's flickering. Okay? So I'm going to ask you three questions this morning. I gave you these last week just as a warning. Can you think of any reason why God should not love the world? I can think of a million. Of course you can think of reasons that God should not love the world. There are a million of them. 9-11... Not asking whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. We all know it was a bad thing. But 9-11 would give us lots of reasons to say, I can understand why God shouldn't love the world. I was in uh, France a few years ago, and you know, people are always talking about the French. I love it. Well, those French, they're a bunch of snobs, and they this and that. And that. You know, it's, it's called stereotyping. Every, every French person is awful kind of according to the way people talk. I was standing in front of the Louvre. There was a police 
wagon with four or five French policemen in it. And the Louvre is kind of shaped like this. And I didn't know where the door was. So I, said, I walked up to this French policeman, and I tried to say a couple of French words, and I didn't say them very well. And I said, where is the entrance to the Louvre? And he looked at me like this. So I said it again. Where is the entrance to the Louvre? And he said, you're right in front of it. And I wanted to say, remember Normandy, you idiot. <laughs> that was a flicker. So we all know this verse. For God so loved, underline and say it, the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Next passage. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are, all those in authority. So let me just stop right there and say, how long has it been since you prayed for President Trump? How long has it been since you prayed for Nancy Pelosi? How long has it been since you prayed for Schumer? First of all then, pray for all those in authority. Instead, we like to complain. We like to point our finger and state our opinion. And it goes on, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants, say it with me, all people, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So, I think I get that. But I don't understand it. I think I get, and I think you get, sounded like you did, that you get God loves all people and wants all people to be saved and that Jesus died for all people. But I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. Can you? That's a flicker for me. But then I say, who did Jesus die on the cross for? All people. That's what, the, that's what the scripture said. Who does God want to be saved? Everyone. That's what the scripture teaches. Now, I don't know if any of you would think this or not. I suspect there might be one or two. But <laughs> at Faith Chapel, when I would talk about this subject... It's a large congregation, broad variety of people. Almost inevitably, I would get an email or a comment where somebody would say, when I would say something like I just said, they would say, ah, that Simmons is a postmodern preacher. And I always wanted to say, you don't even know what postmodern preacher is. I'm not one. I know what it is, and I'm not one. So I put this down to make sure that you understand exactly what I'm saying. This is a very carefully worded statement. I do not believe that everyone will be saved. That's called universalism. I do believe that Jesus made it available for everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth, repent, and acknowledge that he is Lord. 
Is that clear? Okay. How could you not believe that when you read, read the scriptures that I just read a moment ago? So here's what I want to communicate. I think there's a slide that has two circles on it. Now, actually, that outer circle shouldn't even be there uh, because it, it communicates there's a limit. But I had, to, I had to put it there to give meaning to what I'm about to say. The, the outer circle is God's love. Only let's imagine that circle just expanding to where you can't even see it. It goes into infinity. And the inner circle is my love. My love is limited. I want to love everyone, but I don't think I do. It flickers. I think my circle has expanded a lot, and I think my circle has gotten more like God's than it used to be. But when it comes to your circle, how big is your circle? How, how many people do you think God loves, and how many people can you love? The point is that God is love. That is his nature and his character, and he can do nothing but that. God is love. And you ought to thank the Lord for that every day. It flickers for me, and I think it probably flickers for you. You may remember the story that was publicized a few years ago about a woman in Texas who was uh, executed for a murder. She was on drugs. I think it was meth. I don't remember for sure. She was on drugs, and she went in the house with a guy. They were both just completely out of their mind on drugs, and they... She took a hatchet and just brutally murdered some people. It was gruesome. More grisly. People that showed up says the most grisly thing I've ever seen. She went to prison. She was on death row. And she received Christ. And if you would hear them interview her, you'd think, oh my gosh, what a sweet lady. She got it. She received the Lord. And someone was trying to rally and say, well, she, she shouldn't die. She's a good person. And she said, no, I deserve to die. I deserve to die for what I, what I did, but I will never die. I know the Lord. Now, the family members that remember that murder and the hatchet that she took to their relatives would have a real tough time working that through, wouldn't they? But God loved her. God brought her to himself. That's his goal for every person. It won't happen with every person, but that's his goal. So his circle is bigger than my circle. Now, be careful how I say this. What do you do with evil? One day, God will rid his creation of evil by judgment. His judgment is given in love. Because he loves his creation, 
And if he doesn't destroy evil, his creation will be destroyed. Even his judgment is an act of love. That's hard to comprehend, isn't it? Now, there are all kinds of questions about why doesn't he do something now and all that. That's a whole whole different topic than today. But there are some scriptures. First John, are these on your outline? First John 4, 8 through 11? Is that on your outline? You might jot it down. First John 4, 8, 8 through 11. Mark 11, 15 to 17. And Acts 10. You might read those this week uh, to support what we just went through. So here's what I'm saying. God's love makes room for all to believe and turn to Christ. He makes room for that. Acts 10.43 says, All the prophets testify about him that everyone, everyone, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So God's job is to love them. Our job is to communicate to them his love. Sometimes that flickers. Sometimes we want to and we can't quite grasp it. But that's our job. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Give everybody a chance. Second question is, can you think of any reason why God should not love you? Now we're getting personal. How many of you can think of any reason that God shouldn't love you? Come on, raise it up. Come on. There are a million reasons. I know some of them. (laughs) So, God's circle includes you. Now, not only do we have a hard time believing that God loves the world, but we have a hard time, many of us, believing that God loves us. How could he love me? Sometimes Ginger and I will say that to each other. We've been married for almost 50 years. And sometimes they'll say, I don't get it, Ginger. Why do you love me? And she'll say the same thing back to me. So his love includes us. And I've used these sticky notes lots of times, so some of you remember what they are. This is our lifeline, okay? And the yellow notes are good things, and the pink notes are bumps in the road. Where you hurt someone or someone hurt you. Got any of those? Now, I don't know how often some of you, would have to, I'd have to put a whole string of pink notes here. I don't, know how, I don't know how old you were when it happened, but there was a point in time when something came along and you got hurt or you hurt somebody else. And maybe, maybe you didn't get over that for a while. Maybe you reacted and you hurt somebody because they hurt you. And then you went along for a while and you can remember, remember your life. There's lots of wonderful experiences, aren't there? There's lots of good things that happen to us. We can go along and there's a good thing that happened. I, I was doing this in my mind the other day, thinking about my life and my timeline when I went through this. And I thought, yeah, there's a, gosh, there's so many, there's so many good things that have happened in my life. I was very fortunate. I was brought up in the 1950s in a small town in a Christian family. So I've got lots of yellow but then there was a pink. There's another pink. 
10 years worth of pinks. 10 years worth of pinks. How about for you? How many years of pinks for you? And then Jesus revealed himself to me. I've told you that story many times. It's mostly been all good since then. It did. We better put that back up again. Not enough sticky. And isn't that the truth? Been mostly good since then. There have been a few bumps along the line where I got hurt or I hurt somebody else. Didn't mean to, but I did. You get the idea? Okay, now. Does God know all that? Of course he does. Does he love you? So as I'm going through this, I hope you thought about a few of your bumps. Then there was some good time. There was a bump and a bump and a bump and a bump and a bump. Some of you had some pretty serious bumps where you hurt someone or someone hurt you. And I want to say to you about this whole thing, there has never been a moment when God did not love you in your life. Not one moment. God is love. Now, are there some hurts that you have to overcome? Where you were hurt or you hurt someone else, you have to work all that stuff through? Oh, definitely. And it's painful and it's hard. But I want you to hear me say, there's never been a moment in my life or your life when God did not love you. May Jesus turn that light bulb on and not let it flicker. When it flickers, go to him again. God is love. When I was in the seventh grade, uh, I want you guys to cover up your ears here for a couple of minutes, okay? When I was in the seventh grade, there was a party over at a friend's house. There was probably ten couples. You know, we were in, like in middle school. And... Uh, the parents in this home were not very responsible. So there was a party, and I I never thought about it till this morning, but I thought hey, the parents must have left. And we ended up in the bedroom with the lights off playing kissy face. Nothing happened sexually, <coughs> but we were playing kissy face. Sharon Cripe. I told this story in Bend, Oregon one time, which is real close to where I grew up, and a guy came up to me afterwards. He said, Sharon Kripes is my mom. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in high school, I didn't buy gas for my car. I stole gas. When When I was in the third grade, excuse me, in the fifth grade, I, my brother and I stole a car. I hope there's a statue of limitations on that stuff. <laughs> I remember driving my uncle's pickup. I worked for him on a farm. I remember driving my uncle's pickup on the way to town and I was singing Christian choruses on my way to sin. Is that wild? We have this 
sign in the lobby out there if you haven't seen it yet. Most of you have. It's called No Perfect People Allowed. There just aren't any. Jesus told a story about a, a Pharisee and a sinful woman. The implication of this story is that she, this is not Mary, this is a different story than that. This woman was at the Pharisee's house and she was, Jesus was reclining at table and he took, she took perfume and put it on his feet and kissed his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. She was worshiping him. The Pharisee was sitting there thinking, if he was who he says he is, he wouldn't let that woman put her hands all over him. He'd know who she is and what she's like. So Jesus turned and confronted him about it. The Pharisee, the religious person, the rule person, was looking and finding fault with everybody else. This woman so appreciated that God's love included her. She got it. The light came on. He was forgiven much, loves much. If we see our own sinfulness, then we appreciate God's grace. You have a parable. You have a story about you. And it's not all pretty. Let me say it again. There's never been a moment in your life when God didn't love you. Has he loved everything you've done? No. Has he approved of everything you've done? No. Did you do some things that were wrong and you shouldn't have done? Of course. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I was living in sin, Jesus' death was available to me. The benefits of his death were available to me while I was a sinner. Thank God I opened my life to him. But that flickers sometimes. You know, you might be like my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law, Sybil, lived with Ginger and I for 18 years. She said to Ginger one day, this is funny to me, I hope it's funny to you. She said, Ginger, where did you find Stan? He's just about perfect. I know better, and Ginger knows better. But in God's eyes, because of his grace and his forgiveness, when we, when we allow ourselves to open up to the love of God and begin to follow him and ask for his forgiveness, in God's eyes, that's what justification is. It's just as if I'd never sinned. I know I did, and I have to get over it. But God's forgiven. Third question, here's why I prayed at the beginning. Can you think of any reason why God would not ask you to love people the way he loves you? There was an enthusiastic murmur that went across the room when I said, 
God loves the world. Let's narrow that down a little bit. There are some events in your life that were hurtful and painful. Maybe you were abused physically or emotionally or sexually. Or maybe you abused someone physically, emotionally, or sexually. This had nothing to do with a physical or sexual abuse, but a few years ago, I, many of you would know about this. I'm not going to say the names, but you would know about this. I, I had let someone go at Faith Chapel, and gosh, there was a stir in the church for, for a while. And uh, some people were on one side, some people were on the other side. And, and uh, it was probably the, the hardest decision I ever made. And honestly, if I had to make the same decision again, I would. But there were certainly ways that I could have handled it better than I did. And there was a period of many months where talk was going around. Some people left the church. Some people would come to me and say, way to go. And <laughs> some people would go to him and say, way to go. And it was a mess. And I struggled. I struggled forgiving him for some of the things that he said and did. He struggled forgiving me for some of the things that I said and did. We went through two days and then another two days of peacemakers trying to get everything all worked out. And when we were done, there was still a lot of pain and hurt. My friend Jared Roth, who was my life coach for a number of years, and he's one of my, one of my best friends, said to me in a phone conversation one time, he said, Stan, I think you need to think about something. And Jared had been very supportive of me, praying for me through all of this. He said, I think you need to, you need to come to grips with something. There's a church starting in town. And at that church, they're going to preach the gospel. People will receive Jesus there. They will preach the word of God. And they will be a blessing in this community. And I think you need to start praying for them. Gosh, as soon as he said that, I thought, oh, gosh. And I was set free. You see, in relationships, it's never one evil person, one good person. Any, any conflict you've ever had, anything you've ever been involved in where it was hurtful, you weren't all right and the other person wasn't all right or all wrong. There's always two flawed people. When people come to me with something, I say, okay, now I, I don't know whether to believe you or not. I know that that's what you believe, but you know, there's always two sides to every story. Always two sides to every story. So I don't want to make a judgment about that. And we will never know perfectly. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. In other words, gosh, more fell down. <laughs> God forgave me for that, for that, for that, for that, for that, and I am eternally grateful. And so I want to treat you with love because you did some stuff too. But I owe God this debt of gratitude 
to love you like he loves me. Now, there are some cases where something horrible happened to you or you did something horrible to another person. There are cases like that in this room. I met a young woman who worked at a TCBY. This has been many, many years ago, 30 years ago, probably 25 maybe. And I would go in by TCBY, and one of the ways that I try and witness to people is, you know, I'll get to know them in a restaurant or a place where I go to buy clothes or whatever. And so this was a young woman, probably in her early 20s, and I, I'd always tease her, and she'd tease me, and we, we became friends. And, and she found out that I was a pastor at Faith Chapel, and she visited Faith Chapel. And so one day she said to me, I suppose you would say, but I need to forgive my father who sexually abused me. The rest of that went through. I talked to her for a little bit, but somebody came in and we never got an opportunity to talk that through, but I did tell her, sweetheart, you need to sit down with somebody and work this through. I'm not going to give you a pat answer. You need to spend some time working this through with somebody. Uh, I hope she did. Maybe that's your story. Or maybe you abused someone. Oh, pastor, there are people in our church who would do that. There's no perfect people allowed. Their sin is different than yours. And we're not careless about that. But undoubtedly there are people here on both sides of that issue. Does that make the light flicker? It does, doesn't it? Corey Tenboom was in a prison camp during the Second World War. She and her sister were required to stand in the showers naked while German Nazi guards watched them. When they got out of prison, she began preaching the gospel and she was in a meeting one night talking about forgiveness. And as her eyes scanned the congregation, she thought she recognized someone. After the service, this man came up to her and he said, you talked about this prison camp. I was, I was a guard in that prison camp. I did some horrible things. But I've come to know Jesus and he's forgiven me. And he stuck out his hand. He said, can you forgive me? She froze. He asked again, can you forgive me? And she prayed and she said, Lord, I will make the right decision. It will be up to you to actually bring it about. And she extended her hand and she said, as she did, electricity went through her body. Can you imagine? What helps me with this is that when Jesus was on the cross, I've said this again and again, his head was about this high, 
He was stripped naked, horribly mutilated and abused, people spitting on him, laughing at him, slapping, hitting him. And he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I pray that that can be your prayer. Whatever someone has done to you. You might say, Pastor, you don't understand, and I don't. But I know that Jesus said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's not a threat. I told a story about a man who was forgiven a million dollar debt and went out and had somebody thrown throw in prison who owed a few bucks. It's not a threat, it's an invitation to be free. I'm going I'm to ask you just to close your eyes for a minute. And would you, would you hold your hands out like this with your closed fist? Lord, forgiving someone else is so hard. We know your example. But somehow we say to ourselves, Lord, you're perfect and your circle is bigger than ours. Lord, I know what it's like to struggle with forgiving someone. But there are people in this room who have a lot more painful experiences than I do. I pray that the light would flicker for them today. For some, maybe the light would come on. There's someone that you'd probably bring to our mind right now and in some cases we can't imagine forgiving them. But Lord, we're going to open our hands and invite you to bring us to the place where we can. We can't do that on our own. And we, in some cases, can't imagine forgiving them. But Lord, we don't want them to be eternally damned. We want your love to be extended to them. So it might take a while, it might take a long while, but Lord, we want to be in the place where we can be set free. Where we can experience your freedom. For others in the room who may have hurt someone very desperately, they're opening their hands, Lord, saying, Oh, God Almighty, if I could only grasp the extent of your love for me. That there's never been a moment in my life when you didn't love me. When I was doing damnable things. But you've revealed yourself to me and I'm eternally grateful for your grace and your forgiveness. So Lord, I pray today that for every person here, maybe they just take one step. Maybe somebody would cross the line and bring complete forgiveness. But Lord, let us take a step today. Let it flicker. Let us get it a little bit so that we can take some future steps with this. We love you and give you thanks. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, I want to ask if there's anybody here today who has not yet opened their life to the love of Christ.